in my studies recently, uh, I read a question in one of my in one of my textbooks: Are there certain stories that the church should not tell? <laughs> and I think about as you shared. I thought to myself, "There's a wonderful hope that comes through telling honest stories, true stories." that enables us as a community of faith not to have this Christianity that exists in dreamland, but in the real struggles and pains of life. We have a hope that is real, a hope that does not necessarily deliver us from the challenges we face or makes life easy, but a hope that is secure. I can't remember how many coffees we've had together. Where I've sat with you in the highs and the lows, and to hear how God has grown your faith, Ricky, is unbelievable. Because it's been made evident in your life. And your husband's not that bad either. <laughs> how do we get transformed? How do we grow? How do we mature? How does our faith become more than just an acknowledgement? I want to share with you from John 15. Verses 1 through 11, just some very simple thoughts. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's two ways in which we can approach our Christian life. The first one is to believe that Christianity, like many religions, is a religion that demands a particular way of living. And that in order to live that way, there are certain things that we must learn to emulate. Another way of describing such a religious life is to say that we are to imitate what the Bible says about the person and the character of Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful book, it's a Christian classic, it's called After the Imitation of Christ by Thomas A. Kempis, some of you have read that, and the premise of that book is to speak about the various qualities of Jesus Christ and to expound it in such a way that we would be desirous of living in that way. I would suggest to you that the imitating way of living the Christian life is a way 
that might make you a very moral and even religious person. You may even be able to construct a very good-looking life, but that Christianity does not invite us to an imitation of Christ. The invitation of John chapter 15 is not so that we could learn to look like him. It is not so that we can do things to to resemble him, but the invitation that is in this text is the second way in which we can approach our Christian life, and it is this. It is an invitation to know him and to be in an actual relationship with him. If the first way has a foundation, it is this, that I must do what I need to do to look a certain way, and if there's a foundation in the second approach, it is this. It is the reality and the possibility of knowing God personally. See, John 15 would say to us that the way we grow, the way we mature, the way we become people of love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, the way in which we become people who can, who can endure the hardships of life and still have the joy of God within us, the way in which we become people who offer our world, our world healing and hope is not to imitate Christ, but it is to know him to experience his grace, his mercy, through his spirit in a real relationship. Now I know that some of us are feeling a little bit uncomfortable. What is he driving at? What is he getting so worked up about? I know that in my own journey, there's been many times where I've tried to imitate Christ and found that such a pursuit only ends in failure. When I try to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, is that a term that works? I mix up all those kinds of things so badly and my wife goes, why did you say that? (laughs) But I recognize, and this is the beauty of the testimony this morning, that, that in my weakness I'm not really able to be what God wants me to be. That in my own strength I cannot do it. The Apostle Paul says, why would you begin by the Spirit and then try to finish in the flesh? You know, what he says to us is, is, that, is that when we come to God, we come to God because we recognize that we cannot live the life he's called us to apart from him. His very Spirit working within my life. I can attempt it in my own strength only to find that it cannot last. And so the invitation of John 15 is to a different way of living, a a challenging way of living, a way of saying, listen, if we are to be what God wants us to be, it does not come through our efforts. It begins with knowing Jesus Christ. The image is of a vine and a branch. A branch cannot exist apart from the vine. A branch cannot live apart from the vine. There's a crucial nature to Jesus Christ. I know it's not popular to suggest that there is one way of maturing and knowing God, but our scripture does not allow for us to be that non-judgmental. It is not that it excludes people by intention, but it simply suggests to us that if we are to grow, if we are to know this God, that the key to that is to being attached to Jesus Christ, the person who the scriptures define as the one sent of God, the one that the scripture here defines as a vine. Through him flows life to us, and through him our lives take on a meaning and a growth and a maturing because we are connected to him. What does that mean, Stu? To be connected to Jesus Christ. 
I think it begins with a simple acknowledgement that if I desire in any way, in any sincerity in my own life to truly know God, it means to, to yield to him, to acknowledge in faith and through prayer that he is the means of knowing God. It begins there, but it does not end there. So many people think that Christianity is just about that affirmation or that word of confession. I've said it, now I'm in. My parents were it, so I'm in. But God, you know, through Christ, he says, I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. He's not simply suggesting to us that we get our names in the book of life. He's saying, I want you to actually live. And that the one who makes us this Christian is the one who infills our life with his spirit so that we would have that abundant life. That we would grow in grace. That there would be something more qualitative to our life that reveals that something has happened inside us. We're not striving simply by our own strength, but God through his spirit working in my life is making me into a person that God has always destined me to be. So I would suggest to us this morning that the second alternative is the way the scripture invites us to live. To begin with Christ. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, I don't know, I don't know Christ. And this sounds all esoteric to me. Sounds a little far-fetched. I I want to offer a very practical first step. A practical first step is just to pray, a, a simple prayer that says, Father, If this is all true, God, if this is all true, then would you let me know by receiving me, forgiving me, and affirming in my heart and in my mind that I am loved by you and forgiven. For those of us who are Christian, now we, there's many of us here, there's many Christians here on Sunday morning. That was supposed to be funny, but I guess it it wasn't that funny, I guess. Some of them are questioning right now, am I? I don't know. Um, for those of us who are Christian, you know, I, I guess we have to ask ourselves, are, are we growing? Are we maturing? You see, if you were the same person you were when you first said, yeah, I'm going to believe something is wrong. If you are unchanged in this relationship with God, something is absent. Now, in this pursuit of knowing God, we can pick up his word and we can start to study it and we can start to learn what it says and we can understand its historical context and the nuances of the different genres and and we can study the original languages and we can become quite adept at knowing the word and still not knowing God through Christ. And so the scripture teaches us in in, in John 14 and 16 that kind of surrounds John 15 that that God gives us more than just the word. He, He gives us his spirit. So that we would not just be people that understand. Have you ever noticed how that intellectualization does not necessarily mean wisdom? Have you ever noticed how that you can know things but you fail the ability to do what you know? Have you ever noticed how a smart person can make a dumb decision? There's a sense in which the text teaches us that the word of God 
is the root, it is the base, it is where it begins, but God goes beyond that and gives us his very Holy Spirit, which by faith again we receive, and it is his spirit that animates and brings life to us and gives us this dynamic experience of God, so that when we pray, we actually in faith believe he hears. That when we sing songs here on Sunday morning, we believe that he is present when we ask according to the scripture that he gives us more of his presence in our life to bring about that peace and that wholeness that he actually does so. See, you cannot be a maturing Christian apart from the word Jesus and the words that Jesus has taught us through the word of God, the Bible. You must also, I must also be a person that is open to his dynamic presence within my life. And oh, is that ever so difficult because none of us truly enjoy giving over control to anyone, let alone the spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that gives weak apostles incredible courage to preach the Word of God despite potential persecution. It is the Spirit of God in the hearts and lives of Christians throughout history that enables them to proclaim the Word of God and share the love of Christ in beautiful and powerful ways. It is the Holy Spirit that enables in us a growth that produces love, joy, joy. Do you know joy? (laughs) I, I, I know a friend, Joy, but do you know the joy that is spoken of in Scripture? Peace. Listen to this. Do you long to be long suffering? I intentionally chose the NRSV because, you know, it, it, it doesn't substitute or make it, make it seem even as tame as patience. Long suffering. There's a reality in that. That to be a growing Christian doesn't mean that there's not going to be testing of your time and of your patience and of your life. There's not going to be, it's just going to be easy. But God can give you the ability to endure, to be patient, to be kind, to be good, to be faithful, to be gentle even when others say bad things about you. To have self-control in your life so that you are not tempted to sin against God and deprive him of the joy that he wants to give you and me. One of the marks that we know that we are growing is that there is this fruit that becomes evident in our life. One of the great interesting passages of scripture is when Jesus curses a fig tree in the gospels and it withers away and dies. His disciples are so impressed by the power. Wow. And yet we find out later as we read on that particular story that when Jesus came by that fig tree, it had the appearance of having fruitfulness. The leaves would indicate that there is something of substance to it when all that there was was leaves. See, God's not interested in you and I just simply having the pretentiousness of fruitfulness. And I am not satisfied in my own Christian life of simply saying that I'm Christian. I want to be defined by fruit. The fruit that God gives by his spirit. I ended our scripture reading with verse 11, which says, 
I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Oh, joy. If I was to ask a question, it's hypothetical, so don't raise your hand or answer, because that would be awkward. Would you define your life as being filled with the joy of Christ? You know, one of the marks of being a Christian is that we ought to be filled with his joy. And like a former district superintendent used to quib when he preached in churches where people were very serious, not like you, looked like they sucked on some lemons before they sat down. He'd say, if you have the joy of the Lord in your heart, why is your face so sour? You need to let it show. But you see, this kind of joy is not circumstantially derived. You know, if, if anything, this morning when Ricky shared, the joy that within her is not just a, a temperamental one or a circumstantial one, one that is only derived when things are going well. The joy that she speaks about is a joy that comes as a gift from God through Christ. It is a joy that is unspeakable, a joy that is unshakable, a joy that is immovable, a joy that is not defined or pushed back by the challenges of life. It is not a joy that can be taken away by depression or mental illness. It is a joy that is rooted in the very relationship that we have with the Father through Jesus Christ. It is a joy that holds us in the moments of troubles, a joy that sustains us in times of opposition. It is a joy that is lasting even when we lose. It is a joy that is present in all seasons of life. It is the joy that does not be, is not derived from my sense of joy. It is a joy according to scripture that comes from Jesus Christ as a gift to us. The disciples would still mourn for a season, but joy would come in the morning. This does not imply that there won't be times of challenge and trial. But as Jesus points out, the joy that he gives us fills us for the things we place our joy in will never until we have found our joy in him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This morning, it is my privilege on that rejoicing note. I'm struck by how we can say things, but we don't look like the things we're saying or describing. Have you ever noticed that? Like the beginning song? I will dance because I'm free. And, And I literally felt everybody even kind of just constricting a little bit more. You know, just. <laughs> and so I, I end, and I think because I'm so emphatic that I, you guys, you see, I'm going on sabbatical, so I'm going to say a few things before I go. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever's going to be, I can deal with that when I'm away. But, but you know, you're just a very, very, um, I don't like the word cerebral, but just, you know, you're just there. And I've learned to love that about you. Um, they, they, they actually say, I, I love hockey. I wish I could skate. If I skated, I would probably get in a lot of trouble because I got red-carded playing volleyball. So can you imagine if I played a contact sport? 
but I love hockey, and I watched this. I watched this. Uh, <laughs> you can ask me about that again. But I watched this uh, this little interview about Mikhail Kiprusov. You know uh, the Finnish goaltender that was phenomenal for us. And the one thing they said about Mikhail is they said that that what made him a fantastic goaltender is that he never got too high and he never got too low. That you never knew whether they were winning based on Mikhail's disposition. You know, he's just kind of there. So I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that that's where you are. <laughs> That's where you are. But when I speak about joy, there ought to be a resounding sense of hope, especially because it is the joy that comes from God. Christian friends, let us us abide in him so that we know that joy. Let us recognize the gift of Christ in our community. Let us recognize that this is so, so true and and so accessible. Let us open our lives to that joy.